is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? We come now to the day of Pentecost, and we're dealing with how do I keep these holy days? And I'm going to show you about Pentecost, what we're commanded to do on this day. But more importantly, with the meaning of the holy days, what, what you're supposed to do throughout the year when it comes to understanding the meaning of Pentecost. So we're going to study and we're going to look into just the meaning of Pentecost, what we're supposed to do, how to keep it, and what we're supposed to be doing throughout the year in order to have a part of this special uh, God-centered day called Pentecost, where we are given a commission to do. Now, Pentecost in the Old Testament is referred to as the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament, and Pentecost uh, in the Greek in the New Testament. So Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament, Pentecost in the New Testament. Now, rather than being celebrated on a particular calendar day, it was counted seven weeks or 50 days from the wave sheaf. Uh, hence the term Feast of Weeks, meaning 50th or to count 50. So what happens in the New Testament after the wave sheaf and they count it, you know, you went seven weeks or 50 days, we come to the day of Pentecost. Okay, let's take a look at what happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 and verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were seated. Now, what you need to understand is this. God always does major events according to his calendar according to his feast days. I mean, we have the Passover, when the Passover lambs were slaughtered and Christ became our Passover lamb. When did that occur? On Passover. You know, we have Pentecost, receiving the Spirit of God. When did, when did that occur? On Pentecost. You know, so we have coming up, the next holy day I'm going to talk about is Feast of Trumpets, which reveals when Christ is going to return with his saints to this earth to issue in a new government, the government of God, the kingdom called the kingdom of God on this earth. So what I want you to understand is God always does things according to his calendar, according to his holy days. And, you know, for mainstream churchianity to reject these days and say, oh, they're Jewish, they're mosaic, they're not for us, but we're going to keep our own holidays, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, April Fool's Day, you know, that is nonsense uh, when you really know the meaning of these holy days and what they're all about. Now, Leviticus 23 and verse 4 says, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their season. So we are to proclaim, we are shout, to shout it from the rooftop, the meaning and the understanding of these holy days, that they are all about God. They are all about Jesus Christ and the work that he has done, that it, the work that he is doing right now, which we're going to cover with the meaning of Pentecost, and the work that he's going to do in the future. 
They're all about your Savior, these holy days. Why would any church reject the annual holy days? These are the feast of Jehovah. Why would any church reject those days and say we're not going to keep, keep them? Well, you'll have to answer that question. But anyway, we're coming back to the meaning of Pentecost. Acts 2 and verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Spirit, and they were given the gifts of languages or dialect. Now, this is power. It's power with a purpose, okay? These gifts of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, no gift of the Spirit is ever given for the purpose of self-serving. God does not give, pour out His Spirit just so you can feel good about yourself, okay? So you can jump church pews, speak in a gibberish that no one understands, that you can play this little one-upsmanship game that, oh, I can do this. I can speak in a gibberish and you can't. Therefore, I am more holier than thou. No, that's not the purpose. No gift of the Spirit is self-serving. It's not about you. It's about doing a work and touching other people's lives, you see. It's not about you. It's how you impact other people. Okay. Now, you want to ask the question, well, what is the meaning? What was the meaning behind this gift? Uh, why did God give the gift of languages at this time in history? Well, just think it through, okay? Jesus had told his disciples, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Now, this probably totally set them back on their heels because, you know, okay, how are we going to go into all the world? More importantly, how are we going to communicate and speak to all the world, all the different dialects that were out there? And then the day of Pentecost comes along and they are given the gifts of languages, the different dialects, so that they can communicate to the people of the world. And so all of a sudden it clicked. This is the meaning behind the gift. This is why God gave this gift at this time, in order to spread the gospel. Now, if you have received the Spirit of God, and there is a way to do that, you need to understand there is a way for you to receive the Spirit of God. And most churches don't talk a lot about it. Most churches don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Okay. But there is a way for you to receive that. You are incomplete in and of yourself. That's the way we all come into the world, incomplete. Now, we ought to know this. You would think, just living life, we would understand, I am incomplete, I am missing something. But most people never figure it out. Most people try to fill that void with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with whatever, every type of addiction out there. They tr they're trying to fill a void that is missing in their life. And that void is, you're missing the Spirit of God. And so there is a way for you to receive the Spirit of God. Now, I can send you that information free of charge. I won't sell your name to a mailing list. You just get the material if you ask for it. Okay, it, it, it's free. It, it, it's not about me making money, okay? Uh, anyway, I can send that to you how to receive the Spirit of God and, and should you be baptized. But if you have the Spirit of God, what you need to ask yourself is what gift is needed today for such a time as this? Okay, that's what you need to... Now, 2,000 years ago, God gave a gift that was absolutely needed for such a time as that, and that is the gift of languages. 
Today, you know, with the ability of technology, with, with, you know, I upload all kinds of videos to YouTube, and at a touch of a button, I can change the language if I want it to, people to understand it in a different language, you know. So, really, the gift of languages, different dialects, is, is not that much needed today. Um, but what I'm saying is there are gifts that are needed today. And that's what you got to wrap your mind around. You got to ask, okay, what gifts of the Spirit are needed today? Well, I, I'll tell you one, preachers with a conviction and a message. That's a, that's, that's a gift that's needed today. Much of mainstream churchianity, what I hear out there being preached, I want to barf. I want to throw up when I hear it because it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. It's the same old pablum I've heard for the past 30 years. Their re preachers are repeating what they've been taught in seminary school. Did I say seminary school? I meant seminary school. But they're just repeating the same old stuff they've been taught. Okay? Now, we go back to Acts 2 and verse 39, and let's, let's take a look at this. For the promise, what promise? Well, the promise with the Spirit of God is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even, notice this, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So God right now is calling a first fruit, as many as the Lord shall call. Okay, he's calling a first fruit right now. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God is a great farmer, and he's not harvesting all of his crops right now. Now, we should understand this. I mean, if you have any concept of what it means to be a farmer, or maybe you don't, but or grow a garden, you know, you understand that there are, there's a harvest time. And, in, you know, Israel was built around an agrarian society. And these harvests have a lot to do with the understanding of how God calls people and the timing of that calling. Now, I know what you want to believe. You want to believe that everybody is saved right now. Everybody's going to heaven. The Lord's working mightily here tonight. Oh, praise Jesus. He just healed Bertha Butt's big toe, and, and, and Bertha just got saved. Praise the Lord. And we had a thousand people come down to the altar. You want to believe that everybody is saved and that everybody is going to heaven. But let's take a look at what your Bible says in Exodus 34 and verse 22. You shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruit of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. You see, there were two harvests. We're talking about Israel, uh, their, their, it was their agrarian society. And so you have this, this first fruits of uh, uh, fe uh, uh, the feast of weeks. This is a great harvest. But then you have a latter harvest at the year's end that occurs around the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's two harvests. So what is God harvesting? Well, he's harvesting people, but not all are harvested at the same time. Revelation 20 and verse five, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and he shall reign with him and, and shall reign with him a thousand years. That is, we are going to reign with Christ a thousand years, those that are coming up in that first resurrection. Now, there are going to be people 
who are going to miss the first resurrection, not because they're lost, but because God hasn't called them at this time. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him. You know, the concept that so many people have is, is that there's this great tug of war and the devil is trying to get all the people lost and, 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 and God is trying to save. And it's just, just imagine a tug of war, Satan on one side, God on the other. And it seems that, that the devil is winning, by the way. But when you consider it, when you think, I'm asking you to think, okay, is this the best God can, if you believe God is desperately trying to save the world right now, is this the best God can do? Am I the best God can do? No, I'm not. I know I'm not the best God. Look at some of the television evangelists. You know, some of the buffoons knocking each other upside the head and knocking people upside the head and be healed and be saved and, and all the nonsense that you see in the area of churchianity. Is that the best God can do to save the world? Well, of course not. Of course not. There, God is a great farmer and he's harvesting people, and, but he's not harvesting all at the same time. Two harvests of people. The second harvest will take place during another resurrection when the rest of the dead come up. So you might ask the question, well, if that's true, why do we evangelize? Why do we even bother evangelizing? Well, because God is calling a first fruit harvest. And those people that God is harvesting now need to hear the message of truth. They need to hear what's going on as I'm explaining it to you right now. They need to understand the possibility that they may just be one of the first fruits that God is calling. I don't know how many people God is calling right now. I do not know. I know it's not the whole world right now, but there are people that God wants to be in that first resurrection. And you may be one of them. Think about that for a moment. Now, there's 50 days of evangelism, seven Sabbaths from the wave sheaf until the day of Pentecost. And those 50 days represent, yes, I already said it, I already said it, evangelism. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. We are to be doing a work of reaching people. You see, Israel became, the Jews became an exclusive religion. They failed to evangelize. And Jesus had to correct that. And, and with the teaching of what, Paul, what he gave Paul, you know, henceforth I go, you know, to, to, the, to the Gentiles, you know, they failed. Israel, for the most part, became an exclusive religion because the truth went to their head. And I see the same thing happening today. People often in God's church who have a little bit of truth, maybe about the Sabbath, maybe about the holy days, the truth goes to their head and they never evangelize anybody. Or if they do try to evangelize, they turn people off by beating them over the head with their truth. Now, I admit the truth is a hard sell. You know, it really is. When God called me, I rejected much of God's truth. I just told, I just told God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to keep your Sabbath day. I don't want to keep your holy days. I don't want to do, I don't want to give up my sin. But I was brutally honest with God. And I didn't try to dismiss his will through a dead theology that says the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, been done away with. I didn't try to do that. I just said, I don't want to do what you're telling me to do, Lord. And when you, have, when you practice that kind of brutal honesty, God has a way of just working with you. I mean, he really, he can get your attention if you're honest. 
And most people are not honest when it comes to religion. If you want to see deception, it's in the area of religion because people are not honest. They won't tell God, well, God, the reason I have this dead theology that says the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, is because I don't want to do what you tell me to do. That's the reason I believe in it. That's the reason I go to church. That's the reason I love it when my preacher says those things, you know, that I don't have to do anything. That's what I want to hear anyway. Yeah, truth is a hard sell. It really is. It's, it's one of the hardest things you will ever try to sell in your life, the truth. And there's a way to sell it. Again, if you're just beating people over the head with your truth, that's not going to work. If you're trying to cram, you know, force feed people and cram it down their throats, that's not going to work. But my point is Pentecost is about God giving you his spirit so that you can evangelize the world. You can do something. Everyone has a part in this. No one is excluded. You have your part of reaching a sin-sick world. John 4 and verse 35, Jesus says, Say not ye that there are four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Well, regardless of what you think, the field, regardless of how you try to dismiss it and say, well, people are not responding and there's no, God must not be calling anyone. They're not responding. Regardless of what you think, the fields are ready for the harvest. People are eager to respond to the truth if they hear the truth. You see, the problem is religion has failed God. Churchianity has failed God. Because, and the reason is it's religion without truth. I mean, it's almost as if you can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday and be bombarded by religion without real substance. Now, I'm not saying there's no truth there. I mean, yes, I understand you're going to hear Jesus loves you, and that's good, and Jesus was born, and that's good, and Jesus was resurrected, that's good, and he died for your sins, that's good. You're going to hear, but you're also going to, you're going to hear a lot of pablum, a lot of baby food, a lot of stuff that just doesn't really amount to a hill of beans. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change you. It's not going to change the world. Okay, you see, the Hebrew mindset that you find in the Bible was a mindset that said, Lord, what do you want me to do? As you read the Bible, Lord, what do you want me to do? Today, the mindset in America is, Lord, what do you want me to feel? People go to church not for truth, but they go to church to feel something. And I'm saying that's a dead-end street. You're not going to feel anything until you start doing what God tells you to do. Then you may feel something. But truth comes first. Now, I want to talk about the work that we are supposed to be doing. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 4. For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And what Paul is saying here is that people idolize the man. You know, so often the truth cannot even be achieved because people are idolizing the man instead of having a love for the truth. They're idolizing the messenger boy, which is pathetic. And he says, look, are you not carnal? There's a lot of carnal people in church, and I have seen this throughout the history of our church, the church of God, where people idolize the man. They just worshiped at his feet. You still have that in religion today. Churches that are whole churches that are idolizing an, an apostle or someone who thinks he's an apostle. And they're, st they're still doing it. They're brain dead. They're brain dead and they're still, you know, it, they, they're carnal. I, I'm sorry, carnal Christians are not going to be in the kingdom of God. They're just not. Okay. 
1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, I have planted Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, and neither he that waters is anything, but God that gives the increase. The messenger boy is nothing. You know, I've had people, you know, I've had people idolize me for pity's sakes. And, you know, they've, they've said, well, I just love everything you say. Well, listen, I don't love everything I say. I mean, I, you know, and when people tell you that, you realize that, that this person is an, just worshiping an idol here when they say they agree with everything I say or love everything I do. I don't love everything I do. Okay. The messenger boy is nothing, but God gives the increase. It is the truth that God has opened your mind to. That's the thing. That's why it's not the person that brings you the message. I mean, you should be thankful, but, but that's about as far as it goes. Maybe support him. Yes, that would, that would, be, not, that would be nice. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 8. Now, he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see, evangelism, you have your part. You have your part in this. And I have people that share my videos. And, and, you know, it takes courage to do that. Not everybody shares my videos. I mean, there's a lot of people in our church that don't share my videos because it would upset family. It would upset friends. It would upset, you know, it would upset people. And so they don't share it because they don't have the kahunas to do it. You know, but, you know, it's just, but, but I have a lot of people that do share my material. And I admit it, 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 it can be offensive to a lot of religious people. It really can because it's stuff that often they disagree, they, they haven't heard it before, and, you know, the truth is a hard sell. In Leviticus 23 and verse 15, it says, And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought forth the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even tomorrow after the seven Sabbaths shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Now, obviously, we don't have a meat offering today because there is no temple or Levitical priesthood to take care of that today. So you know, if there were still a temple and a Levitical priesthood, we might still be giving those offerings today. But, but anyway, what I'm saying is Christ has become our high priest. We have a high priest called Jesus Christ. And in a way, he has fulfilled that role of the Levitical, of Levite, uh, Levitical priesthood in the work of Jesus Christ. And it sort of irks me sometimes, you know, people will say, well, I, I don't tithe because there's no Levitical priesthood to tithe to. Well, Jesus superseded that Levitical priesthood. We tithe to Jesus Christ or the church that is doing his work or a church or a person who is doing the work of reaching the first fruits that God may be calling. That's who you tithe to. So anyway, Getting off subject here. Leviticus, Leviticus 23 and verse uh, 21. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generation. So how, how do we keep Pentecost? Well, one of the things you do, and I hope I have explained that Pentecost is about doing a work of evangelism. It's about receiving the Spirit of God given, be, to be given gifts of the Spirit so that you can do a work, okay? But how do you keep this, this day when Pentecost comes around? Well, you go to church. 
And uh, don't just think you can show up to any church and they're keeping Pentecost. You know, you've got to find a church that is actually honoring God's holy days. So what you're commanded to do is to go to church, to come out of your cocoon and go to a church that honors God's holy days. Okay, seven weeks, 50 days between the wave sheaf and the day of Pentecost. God is calling a first fruit. And we have 50 days of evangelism. It's a time period that God expects us to do a work. To be actively involved in trying to reach the first fruits that God is calling. The, you know, the church has been too long examining its own navel. It's been too long you know, trying to impress others with big buildings. Uh, instead of making contact and reaching and, and instead of doing the work of evangelism. Uh, the church has been too long trying to get all their doctrines right. Oh my goodness, how many times have I seen that? People just agonize whether they got all their doctrines. Once we get all our doctrines right, then we can go, go do something. The church has been too long being an exclusive church and keeping the truth to themselves, just like a repeat of what happened to the Pharisees and the Jews back then. They became an exclusive religion and they would not share it with anyone. We have the truth and you don't. And you still see people doing that nonsense today. They act like children. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have some truth, but they're babies. They act like children. Uh, I got the truth and you don't. And that, that they're satisfied with their exclusive religion. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 8 says, Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, I think I know what my labor is. But you got to understand this. You know, salvation is a free gift, but your reward depends on what you do today. It depends on what you're doing each and every day. You're going to be rewarded by God if you got something that is deserving of a reward, and that's your work that you do today. Salvation is free, but you're going to be rewarded according to your works. Now, I think I know what my works is, but let me ask you a question. What is your work? Think about that one. Now, before I close out, I do, I do want to offer you this free offer, Pentecost, First Fruits. Order this at the uh, end of the program. The address will be up there. I'll send it free of charge. And uh, you can study this for yourself, the meaning of Pentecost. I'm David Freeman, and I'll see you next time. What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept? Or will God institute his holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.